Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. And this is Song versus Song. Uh, it's a very a, extremely timely Song versus Song this week. This week, in tribute to the, the late Marvin Lee Day, we're going to do one that I've been waiting to do for a long time. We are doing Guns N' Roses' November Rain versus the man, the legend, Meatloaf's I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. I, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to play one in the background while we're recording and then the other one in the background while we're recording, and we'll see which one finishes first, the podcast or those two songs. There's a lot of research to do with this one just by listening to both songs back to back. Wow, it felt like it took for fucking ever. Do you remember when these songs came out? I feel like that's okay. Do you want to do the the? Did you have a natural inclination? Like, did you have oh, a, yes. like a leaning point? Which one you preferred? Which one is it? When we picked this, and this was a collaborative one, the two of us. When we picked this, my immediate instinct was November Rain, and I think that I, I already know that was going to be unpopular. Even if you know the late great Meatloaf wasn't so recently deceased, but for me, November Rain has always like. It is so deeply embedded in my soul. I fucking love November Rain. That was my first pick. I have a feeling you are not going to agree, nor are, are most people. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I'd certainly, I mean, I remember both of these very well um, because I was, a, uh, I was a child, but I was in that 11 to 13 range, which I think is perfect for these songs, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> These songs really feel like they are for 11 to 13 year olds. I know I know Meatloaf apparently was in character for this song and he was a 15 year old. What? That's I I don't apparently when Meatloaf maybe we should talk about this later but apparently when Meatloaf yeah. is singing he's an actor first, you see. Mhm. His name was Robert Paulson. Yes, yes it was. Um, His name was Eddie. He'd do anything for those girls. <laughs> yes. Anyway, but, but yes. So the point is that he often would come to these songs with a, with a a character or a loose idea of who he is as he's singing the song. And apparently, there's an element of being a 15 year old. And to that, I would say this: At what point were either Meat Loaf or Axl Rose, whose ship, by the way, is Meat Rose? <laughs> when were either of them anything but 15 year old boys come on Eter- well, when, uh, Eter- eternally 15 years old in my mind when axel rose was 15 he got off a bus in la in his uh plaid jacket and straw in his mouth chewing on directly from iowa that is how i picture axel rose as a 15 year old Yes, I've also seen that music video. You know, I was not 11 to 15 when I heard these songs. I was. No, wait, wait, wait. No, I was not 11 for, to, to 15 when I uh, when they came out. I was would have been like eight for both of them or seven, six. Jeez, I, I don't know how to it was do like that. Two, so so 90, I think it was 91 technically for Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, but uh, November Rain got really big in 92. And That's right. I, w- I Do Anything For Love got big the year later. Yeah, but I discovered Guns N' Roses when I was 15, and this was like right at, you know, right at the end of the 90s, and I think Guns N' Roses was still cool because they'd have never had the, like the lame period. They just kind of broke up and disappeared, or at least there wasn't like a real album attached to their lame period. So by this point, like Guns N' Roses were like the legends that vanished off the face of the earth. And like this was like the first hard rock band I got into. And like to me, like everything that they fucking did was the coolest fucking thing I had ever seen in my entire fucking life. Versus Meatloaf, I think Meatloaf was just like this cheesy guy who had one big album in the 70s and then one weird comeback in the 90s. And I remember like it was not quite as cool. Meatloaf was just like this funny, ridiculous thing that happened was my perception of it. As the year, decades have gone on, our collective love of Jim Steinman and Meatloaf has only grown. And so I was like, you know what? I don't even know if I've listened to uh, this song all the way through. 
So I'm just going to give it a, you know, a full all 12 minute listen just so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, the podcast. And I was, you know, really giving it like a full listen. And I was like, geez, I don't know if I can, uh, I don't know if I can actually go for November rain on this one. Oh, like, <laughs> and that is not how I thought that was going to go. Because to me, the question is, are we talking about the radio edit for loaf for meaty for meaty meat mm-hmm. and the meat puppets? That's a different band. Uh, or are we talking about the full album version? And I have to tell you, if it's the radio edit, it's tight. If it's a, if we're talking twelve minutes of loaf, <laughs> that's too much. Too much loaf. I can't. So, did you listen to all of Bad Out of Hell too? In preparation, did you listen to the whole thing? Yes, not the deluxe version, but but the standard. I mean, that's what counts. Yeah. Not all in one sitting. It's not for me. <laughs> well, like when uh, when Bad Out of Hell 1 came out, that was still the late 70s, and this was like a, a good old classic rock album. And by 1993, we've had like a full good 15 years of butt rock that it's drawing on. Like the drums are a lot louder. They got the gated drums, and the production is a lot slicker. Yes, um, yeah. imagine what would happen if we had to talk about Bad Out of Hell 3. Well, that, last, <laughs> last time I looked for Bad Out of Hell 3, it wasn't on Spotify. It's on It's on other, you know, it's on It's on the YouTube. Not for the same reason that uh, many things are disappearing off of Spotify. Meatloaf's and, ghost is taking a stand against <laughs> Joe Rogan. I don't no. fucking think so. Um, no. Yeah, by the way, I saw a bunch of people trying to talk some shit. Let, let's just get it out of the way. We're not fucking doing that. No offense. You can say whatever you want, but maybe whilst we talk about the music, I don't feel any grand compunction to talk about Mr. Loaf's political affiliations. If you look it up, you can find it out pretty quickly. It is it is what it is. He gone. There's a time and a place for it. Uh, two weeks after the man passed is I'd probably not it. No. You it, or, and if it is, it, it's it's certainly not on this podcast. No, I agree. Time I agree. To- People could say whatever they want. I definitely don't think that it's it's our place. The shortly thereafter, just so just so people know, like if you were worried that this was a thing that was going to come up, it's not going to happen. If you're waiting anxiously for us to talk about <laughs> his politics, I apologize. But I just so here's the thing: I listened to Bad Out of Hell, original flavor, mm-hmm. and I thought this is great. I enjoy this. I like it. I'm into it. And you know, there's a really obvious reason why, and it is this. Your eight to nine minute range songs, there's like <laughs> three of those. And then four, four or five minute range songs. Great. That's what you want. Perfect. If you, it's fine to have a couple epics, a couple bangers, fine. That out of hell too. Like, 12-minute songs, 10-minute songs, everything's fucking a million. Like, there's a couple songs that are 45 minutes, but it's just one too many we're still going songs. That's exactly the problem with Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Well, I mean, bless Guns N' Roses. What a wise decision to technically release those as two albums. Can you I mean, imagine I, if that was an actual double album? Like you just went more like, use your illusion, please. And they just gave you this like 60 billion year long record. Even taken separately, just listening to one or two. They're it's very still long. the same problem. It's, they're crushingly long and they do not have as many goods. You know, I got a, I got a friend who keeps trying to tell me that appetite for destruction is overrated and use your illusion is like the real shit. Now that that's just an insane take. That's just absolutely insane. Use your illusion. One is too long. Use your illusion. Two is also too long. What's interesting is that use your illusion. One wasn't even the hit album of the two of them at the time. Well, I, I know that two debuted over one. I'm not sure like one conquered the other. I mean, just technically speaking. And I think there are more good. My, my spiciest guns and roses take is that estranged? As we as we know, I mentioned this in the la- the last time Guns N' Roses <laughs> came up. I think estranged is better than November Rain, personally. But on uh, every every possible every possible metric, it's a better song. No, it's fine. Solid you, no. no, solid way no. Better, I, way I, mean, better. I, was, I mean, they're I all. I mean, like 
I was literally watching the estranged video right before you called amazing, in. Amazing, amazing. I could just listen or watch or whatever estranged all day, 24-7. That's what I'm about. That fucking shit rips. So I, good. That that for me is the get to the get to the point already kind of deal. Oh, I, so good. So good. Um, but no, you know what it is? There's a there's a moment. Actually, there's two in Bad Out Hell, too. One of them, we said we wouldn't be political, but he does sing about how he'll, Meatloaf, that is, um, saying he'll never be politically correct. And I was like, I, I get, well, <laughs> we officially have the answer to that question, I guess. No, I guess uh, you won't. I mean, um, was, I mean, Jim Steinman wrote that, right? I guess that's true. But, you know, but he, he, was, he, he, he was writing, he was writing it, for, he was writing yeah. for the loaf. So, yeah, he, he knew his, uh, his actor, let's he say. Know, he know for, for whom he was writing. But no, you know what it was? It's not even I do anything for love. It's objects in the rear view mirror appear closer than they are. That's a good song. I like that song. So here's the thing about it, though. Of all of his songs, it's the one where I thought, so you were just driving. <laughs> you, were look, you looked in the mirror. You saw that there was something written there, and you were like, what does that say? And just immediately was like, objects in the rearview mirror, <laughs> they appear closer than they are. And I was like, this is the hey. dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. This is the silliest <laughs> goddamn thing of all time. Literally just wrote a whole ass song that's like 10 billion years long about the thing that it said on the, on the, went, oh my God, on the mirror. I thought that was a good song. And I think that's very clever. I can't. That they... So we've we've come to an understanding as to why one of us perhaps likes this album more than the other. <laughs> I can't with that. That's too much for me. And it just that kind of silliness is something that you're either on board with or you're not. And I just I don't know what it is about because I like cheese. Mm -hmm. I like a Broadway show. They certainly made a musical out of Bad Out of Hell and Bad Out of Hell too. Wait, 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 hold the, on. Music, Are you anti-both? No, I like the first album fine. But the thing about the first album is when you listen to it, it definitely feels like a 70s record. There's there's stuff I listened to on that album where I think this is like a cross between Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band and Electric Light Orchestra, and then a couple other things. But those are things right. I like. And I don't know what, Bad Out of Hell 2 is just a mystery to me. I find it mystifying. <laughs> Um, rock and roll dreams come through is fine. It's also not originally from this album. There is a Jim Steinman version of that song that I actually prefer. I've never listened to Jim Steinman's solo album. There's a, there are a couple songs. There's f technically four. Um, there are not all of them are in completion. Some of them he took sort of pieces and then put them into this. But that song is, there's the Jim Steinman version and there's Milo's version. And I like that one. And the crazy thing about that is, do you remember who was in the music video for that, for Meat's version? Future Oscar winner Angelina Jolie. What I'm saying is that, the, you know, on the one hand, I do, every, I do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That, was considered to be one of the worst songs of the year. In some cases, one of the worst songs ever made by a lot of rock critics. On I the, remember. On the, on the other hand, everybody knows every word. People asked Meatloaf from the day that song came out to the day he died, what is the that? <laughs> Even though he literally went on national television with a blackboard <laughs> to explain what it was. As I recall, he was, he, I remember him saying something. He was like, I wish we didn't hit that. I do anything for love over and over again right after we say what the that was because people forget. Because he says like, Every uh, verse ends with what the that that he's not going to do. And then he sings the chorus. And it's like, it's right there. It's right there. I did, I did not know that until I, I started researching this episode. But it's I've always just heard the, the joke. It's like, what is the that? I'm going to say that, boy, this was, this was going to come up later, but this is the time. If it's going to be a time, it's going to be now. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe that there's a tragedy that we didn't get a chance to um, swap these for both men. But since we can never ask Meatloaf what the fuck the November Rain music video is about, <laughs> we are obligated to make sure that somebody asks Axl Rose 
I know you do anything for love, but you won't do that. But what's that, Axel? Just to see what happens. Because <laughs> these are the question, right? That's, I mean, like November Rain, what the fuck is that music video about is probably, if not the number one, it's in the top three questions that people constantly asked Axel Rose. If it's not when, when is Chinese democracy coming out, <laughs> which people no longer ask anymore. So we're back to what the fuck is that music video about? The music video seems pretty uh, clear to me. I don't see what the the question is. The only what, question what, is what, what did she die of? It what, doesn't matter. But that it also doesn't fucking matter what the that is. And yet mm-hmm. people people are silly. They like asking these questions. When Meatloaf died, Twitter was flush with I guess we'll never find out the answer <laughs> to this question. I found an article in my research from somebody who was so mad. It was like, you idiots, you probably have your, your IQ is probably smaller than your follower count. <laughs> I was like, boy, this is this is extra. But also at the same time, yes, it's ridiculous that like that was that he died. And everyone was like, we'll never get this will remain forever a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, I mean, it's delightful. Anyway, the point is somebody needs to ask Axel Rose Meatloaf's question. Get on it. Axel seems like pretty cool these days. He's mellowed out. Like people I, like, are I'm, still mad. People still hate Axel Rose. For, you know, I mean, it was, he was well known. He was like a, a giant piece of shit during his prime years, and like just like genuinely insane. Like, like I'd heard Metallica say things about like when they did a tour with Guns N' Roses, like just like the insane shit Axel Rose had with him going around like his, like his own like fortune teller and shit like that. Like people to carry him around so he didn't have to walk in the hallways, like cr- insane stuff like that. He's like the the guy from the movie Network meets Ariana Grande. <laughs> Ariana Grande what gets, a, what car- a, gets carried around a lot. What a random thing, to, two people to throw together. Listen, I like to figure these things out, just like how Axel Rose and Meatloaf's ship name is Meat Rose. <laughs> Both of these. Two songs are like the two unlikeliest songs of the 90s. Meatloaf, because there is no there's absolutely no reason why Meatloaf should have had a comeback in the 90s. That just straight up doesn't make any sense. It's one of the great, ridiculous comeback stories of all time. And for November Rain, that song is ridiculous because it was coming from Guns and Fucking Roses. You know, the badass, like nastiest band on the Sunset Strip. Also, like they had released some very offensive songs, like super racist, sexist. And uh, I, I got to believe there was like some homophobic stuff in there. I can't. Re- oh, of course. And also yeah. they, they came after music critics. The greatest of all <laughs> sins. Getting the <laughs> ring uh, getting the, the ring remains now and forever. One of their worst songs of all time. I said that last time. I'll say it again. That song blues. The, the truly underprivileged demographic music critics. <laughs> Talk about punching down. Yep, that's right. It is a bad song, though, for real, for real. Uh, okay. But like, but Axl Rose was all, also like this humongous Elton John and Queen fan. And I, I think that he performed with Elton John at the Queen tribute ceremony after Freddie Mercury died. And so for like this guy that who just seemed like a total fucking scumbag to release this ridiculous ornate 10 minute epic with strings and an orchestra and an oboe and a fucking piccolo it's one thing when meatloaf does it you expect that from meatloaf but from axel rose that just doesn't make any sense but it's so it's not that complicated i suppose so he wrote that so first of all he wrote that song forever before like it was like 1983 or something yeah before guns N' roses was even a thing before he met any of those those guys. The story is that he had written part of it. He had written like a, like a half hour version at some point. And supposedly the half hour was was sort of bits and pieces of all three of the songs that are within the the quote trilogy, which is mm-hmm. uh, what Don't You Cry. Uh, Don't Cry and don't, Estranged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. November Rain is the second one. Yep. It's the middlest child. Mm-hmm. And that's the why, best. That's why it's the worst one. Boom. It's wow. We are one. We really truly, no, no. we truly are opposites. In November Rain 1, Estranged number 3. Oh, you're absolutely out of your fucking board, <laughs> my man, my man. Anyway, so when they finally, so when they did the deluxe edition of um, Appetite for Destruction, it was officially available for anybody to hear 
these earlier versions, there's an acoustic version that's like five minutes long and there's a 10 minute mm-hmm. version of him playing the piano with, with the demo and a little bit of like him going, ah. Right. It's wild to me that that song gestated for so long, but to to the credit of all the stuff you were saying about Axel before, he had at one point said that if he couldn't get this song right, if it wouldn't be released the way he wanted it to be, aka perfectly, quotes, that he would quit the music industry entirely. <laughs> there's like there's an interview I think with Howard Stern where he asks for a confirmation on this. And Axel says, I mean, he explains it. The actual explanation is that he felt that if he couldn't do that song the way that he wanted to, then it was a sign that the music industry wasn't going in a direction that he would want it to. But yeah, so he was very particular about the song. It's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because this is a song... About that's from a band that when he first wrote it, they were nowhere, didn't exist. And by the time it came out, they were, you know, one of the biggest rock bands, if not the biggest rock band of the time. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Meatloaf was nowhere. In fact, there's probably a train records to be done about Meatloaf. Uh, yeah, there were he, him and Steinman broke up right after Bad Out of Hell, you know, creator breakup. And I would if I, you know, if he didn't have like a big comeback in the 90s, that was like a like a, you know, it was just like a perfect model of a train record. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time. It was a long time. Yeah. This song is sort of like what would happen if Kokomo became the biggest song on the planet. <laughs> I'd do anything for love. I And I'll tell you, <laughs> I, mean, I, I think that November Rain is half of the reason why... I do anything for love was the hit that it was. I believe there are two songs that allow for the success of I do anything for love, but I won't do that. And November Rain is one of them. November Rain is one of them. And the other one is Whitney Houston's cover of I will always love you. If you put those two songs together, you get I do anything for love, but I won't do that. Walk me through the logic here. To me, um, there was a long history of hair bands doing these sort of ballads, the balladry of the hair band. Right. Everyone's got one. November Rain was sort of the most theatrical, the most you could make a Broadway musical out of this, the most we're expected to take this seriously of any of them, arguably. Yeah, when I say it was like, Oh, so shocking. It wasn't shocking because it was like a slow ballad. They've all got slow ballads. All those hard rock bands of the 80s had one. In fact, it wasn't even uh, Guns N' Roses first. They had Patience. But the the ridiculous part is like how much there is of it. So it's this theatrical song from a rock band and it's long. (laughs) It's so long. And it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's about love in a way. It's based on a, a short story, right? You know, and it's also, you know, kind of based on this this love affair that Axl Rose had, these feelings that he'd had for somebody. But then we've got the biggest love song that sort of ex- exists betwixt these two, which is when the bodyguard comes out and Whitney comes and does I Will Always Love You. Mm-hmm. And this is the song that, uh, as we know, both having lived it, and also um, from Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the song that yes. every every housewife was just blasting all the that time. Just something to just blast and sing really loudly to about how you love somebody forever. Both my parents really loved that song, yes. I Everybody's parents did. Mm-hmm. Everybody's. So, to me, if you put those two together, what's a song that anybody, man or woman alike, could just sing along to as loud as they want to that's about love, the most universal of emotions, but also has an insanely long length and is kind of a rocker, that's November Rain. So if you put the two together, you get Meatloaf. And Meatloaf is that, right? Like, that's his thing. He loves singing about love from a kind of a funny perspective, and he loves doing songs that are way too fucking long. So yes, to me, like, if you put those two songs together, you get... 
I do anything for love, but I won't do that. I mean, I, I kind of see it, but at the same time, like I will, I will always love you. That's just like the most straightforward sentiment in the world versus I would do anything for love, which means, well, it means whatever you want it to. And it means nothing to a lot of people who never got what it meant. And for those of us who've actually read the lyrics, it means like 10 different fucking things. Right. Well, that's where where the complexity comes in. Yeah. That's the what the fuck is the November Rain music video about portion of the song. You see, (laughs) I'm just saying I stand by I stand by my opinion to the point that, you know, I told you when we originally discussed what was this matchup going to be. I said that I thought that Whitney Houston should be the one going against Mr. Loaf. But we already did that one. We put we put it up against my heart will go on. It was like our fifth episode. You can't expect me to remember things. <laughs> I remember things. It's the COVID era. It's over. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm in my 80s, as you know. Right. And it's COVID. And we've been in the COVID for as long as November rain. And the <laughs> and, and I do anything for love, but I won't do that are combined, which is to say forever. OK, I always forget to ask this. I don't remember asking you which was your favorite of the two. I remember you saying that the the 10, 12 minute version was too long, but if it's which one? honestly, if it's just if we're doing, I don't know. It's funny because the it's thing hard. is, that it's I, a hard one, isn't it? Well, I, the thing is also it's I, I hard for us, I, at least not for our viewers, but I looked and the thing is, I am genetically a contrarian. <laughs> I was raised by some fucking contrarians. And at this point. It's very hard for me not to take the opposite position just to see what happens when it comes to things that don't really matter. I mean, yeah, no, not with things that are important. Song versus song is not important. In the end, I like both of these songs, even if they're silly. I lean towards November Rain just because I enjoy the bombast all the way through. The reason I like Estranged more is because it's even more ridiculous. (laughs) I can make a case for both Meatloaf and for Guns N' Roses here because, like I said, I was, like, really giving it, like, a full listen and real honest listen. And the thing about I Do Anything for Love that November Rain doesn't have is that November Rain starts slow, and it's slow for most of the nine or ten minutes versus I Do Anything for Love, which is just, like, full throttle from the very get-go. And... Man, I wish I had my piano in here. Like you have your guitar, but I don't have a, a piano that fits. In. I'm going to go get one so that I can next time this comes up, I can play the the riff from I do anything for love because it fucking rules. The it listenership rules, will, and it's will, so will fun blossom. to play. You should do. Yes, it. it's good. More people will listen if they know you're going to play because nobody cares if I do it. But if you do it. <laughs> It's a fun riff to play. I can't play any of the rest of it. I can just do that. You know, it's interesting. Um, did you know that uh, Axl Rose wanted Jeff Lynne to produce November Rain? Well, I mean, he is the man from the Electric Light Orchestra, and there is certainly a lot of orchestration in that song. I get it. Of course, by that point, he all his stuff wasn't really all that orchestral. Yeah, well, he also, he turned it down. I guess he had other stuff that was that was going on. I don't know if Jeff Lynn Also, it's Axel generally Rose just not a really g- feels like a, a match made in heaven. Yeah, that'd be a weird one. And also, like, during that point in time, it's we're not working with Axl Rose probably benefited you more than working with Axl Rose. Because anyone who has ever had to work with Axl Rose for any length of time despises him. Also, apparently, you know, having listened to especially the Steinman version of Rock and Roll Dreams come through... That sounds to me like a Jeff Lynne produced track, even though it isn't. And in general, if I was going to say who would Jeff Lynne work with of these two, it's not Axl Rose. <laughs> you could see him doing a, a meatloaf tune, though, for sure. I mean, all, all of Jeff Lynne's stuff, you know, from Electric Like Orchestra was very orchestra heavy, but he doesn't really seem like a meatloaf guy or a November Rain guy to me. I, some, some of the Milo songs have got a bit of a Len vibe to them. Here's another thing that I found out that's kind of interesting. So, you know, um, we were talking about how there are songs that are on the Steinman record, the solo album, that they then sort of culled and put on to Bat Out of Hell 2. There is a song on there that Meatloaf desperately wanted and did not get to play on any albums until Bat Out of Hell 3. 
you're talking about. Um, oh man, I'm totally blanking on the name of it. It's all coming back to me now. It is. It literally did just came back to you. Yeah, both, both it is the song, and, and the, it did come back to you. <laughs> Good I did work. not do that on purpose. I believe you, of course. Um, so here's another thing that I think is kind of interesting. I do anything for love, but I won't do that. Is an original song specifically for the album, which sets it apart from literally six other tracks on that album. I think there is a parallel universe where they never did I'd do anything for love, but I will by what I won't do that. And Meatloaf's big hit single, or attempted at least, would have been It's All Coming Back to Me Now. That's a thing that I believe. There's a parallel universe where that happened. I don't I don't want to deprive Celine Dion of her best song. I, well, I like this timeline. Well the thing is no, I agree. Well the, if you listen to the one that's on Bad Out of Hell Three, it's Fine. It's Fine. No, I've I've seen her, I've seen him perform it live. He did it on like American Idol or something like that. Of course, by that point, his voice had kind of started to go. But well, well, I mean, that's not that's not a first time thing. That was the other really big part of the story is that Meatloaf couldn't sing for a while. Yeah, uh, I think it was the drugs. And yeah, and just the, the, just the stress, the anxiety uh, made him lose his voice too. It was a mixture of things. Yeah, that's uh. So by the late eighties, he could not even sing anymore. And that's what makes uh, the comeback such a big deal. I mean, I'm, VH1 loved that shit. They were like airing his behind the music all the time. They had like a meatloaf made for TV movie, the, the meatloaf story. Yeah, it's too bad they didn't. They couldn't have had Chris Farley do that, huh? <laughs> oh, they he did. Was a they good did have meatloaf. Chris Farley do a, a meatloaf, and he yes, he it was good to his pitch perfect casting. If if Chris Farley were still alive, they'd be making a a a, a me loaf movie right now, like a yeah, old, would, like a like a old man loaf starring Chris Farley. That would be that would be pretty cool. Okay, I said I was going to make the case for both of them. Here's my main case for November Rain over Meatloaf in this case. November Rain makes me feel things. Maybe like it's a little embarrassing to say, but like. I can I can feel my guts being ripped out by November Rain, especially because like oh Stephanie Seymour is going to be in the in the casket at the end of it, and nothing lasts forever. You're not even cold November Rain, and I, I feel that. Versus, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. That song's just fucking silly. It rules, but it's silly. I have a big critique for that song, it, and if I if there is a single reason why. It is that I would choose November Rain over I do anything for love, but I won't do that. It is this. We we, we both recall um, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Yes. Um, Take me down to the Paradise. God damn you! God damn you! God damn you! <laughs> I was gonna say that um, that's a completely uh, unrelated thing, but uh, the point is that I do anything for love is kind of it's not a sequel. But it's it sure is part of the same thing. And when I say that, I mean, when, when Loaf is talking about how he do anything for love, there's a specific kind of love that he is referring to. The fucking kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. There's, isn't there a whole lyric where he says, you know, um, that he'd regret it if they didn't go all the way tonight? Really, all Meatloaf songs are about sex. And I, so here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with the fucking kind of love. I just don't really fuck with it personally. I'm mm-hmm. not a super sexual person, so that's confusing to me. But this very poetical, you know, nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain, that's just like you. I really connect with that. And also on a purely childish level, I have to say, use your illusions one and two, because I don't know if you recall what those album covers look like. I do. They are the Pokemon red and blue. Oh, yes, they are. Of the rock era. So they are. <laughs> very, very, they, very important information here. I'm bringing the facts. I believe in a thing called love, but also my, my conspiracy theory, once again, is that the one doesn't exist without the other. That the bad out of hell, too exists because the first track of Use Your Illusion 1 is that one. <laughs> Coincidence, I think not. No, that's not true. 
But it is weird. It's funny that like hell has such a, 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 a an impact when people just hear that word. They're like, oh God, hell. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, Milo's album is called Bad Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell. And the first song off of Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 is right next door to hell. Coincidence, I think not. That was my note because I'm a child. Yeah. Well, I, I agree that Guns N' Roses helped make the meatloaf comeback possible. People forget that all these things were like concurrent that like, it's like how could meatloaf have a, like a, a big hit in the grunge era? It was like there were it wasn't all grunge in 93. No, not all. I mean, a strange was 93, right? Uh, well, I think so. I think that's right. I'm trying to remember. So, I mean, when you say estranged, what you mean is the estranged music video. Yes. Which they spent significantly more money on than they did on November Rain. November Rain was already like almost $2 million they'd spent. Okay, here's another question. Which one has the best video? I mean, this is the question. I don't know how the fuck we went 40 goddamn minutes. (laughs) This is it. This is it. There's literally no other question. The rest of it is bullshit. What we're really asking is who's got the better video. (laughs) And like these are both good songs. But, like, these are not the same songs without the videos. No. This was, they are inextricably linked to their ridiculous, ridiculous fucking videos. So answer the question, Lena. I mean, it's. You can't, it can't it's, it's hard. It's, I feel bad because I don't, I, you know. On the one hand, you have Michael Bay doing, you know, people say that they think, so what do you think Meatloaf is? I'm not answering this question just yet. Meatloaf with the, with the, with the, what's the deal? What's he supposed to be? Because he's got the he's got the stuff on his face and he's got the nails and the what's he supposed to be? I believe he's supposed to be like some kind of cursed Beauty and the Beast type monster is my interpretation of that. Let me tell you what he really is. I noticed something very specific about this 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 prestesis thing that's going on. There's a little bit of the 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 Buffy the Vampire Slayer vampire vibe before that was a thing oh yeah but here's what i actually think is going on there's another big note i have for you which is did you realize that he doesn't have ears no i did not he's a fucking klingon babe do klingons not have ears klingons don't have ears man they don't like with the imagine a klingon with ears and think how silly that would look klingons don't have ears so i'm i don't i think he's i think he's from a planet that's that's somewhere in the in the region of chronos Maybe not necessarily a Klingon. He's an outer space alien. Maybe also alien. maybe also a vampire. He might be both those things. But this Beauty and the Beast shit that they've been peddling for decades is a lie. And I won't I have know, it. I did not know I had the popular opinion on this. I, I did not know there was like a, a canon answer. Yeah, it was supposed is, to be. That was, that was the whole concept is that it was supposed to be like a Beauty and the Beast thing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. unlike... Unlike the Disney Beauty and the Beast, he has a harem. Well, do, who has the harem there? Is it his harem? Because it's I, I assumed it, it was it, his harem. It seems to me that he's kind of just off in the corner. You know, there's literally a scene where she walks in the building and he's on a chair, and then he like does a thing where the chair like slides away, and then when it slides back, he's not on it. And when I watch it. I just go, just to to put in the appropriate sound effect for that move. But he's so nervous. I can't, like he's, I know he wants to be fucking, but he ain't fucking, this dude ain't fucking. I mean, he does shake. He got a fuck phobia. He is shaking in like every scene, like shaking from what, I don't know, frustration. But my queen who is, but like clearly- She's a little too comfortable in that. So this this place has got to be hers, man. She's like a, she's like a bird cleaned herself in the fountain. Like it's the f- opening of Friends and shit. She gets into bed. All these other ladies get into bed. They're all kind of like doing stuff. They don't really show it all because it's the nineties. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Counter counter offer. It's her place. Is that is that part of the torture that he does? He has he gets uh, tormented by seeing all this hot sex that he doesn't get to uh, indulge in, just forced to watch. Listen, Although, do you that's do you rem- not that's not much of a torture, honestly. Do you, do you, do you remember what the nineties were like? Here's another big theory of mine. I purposely avoided the question that you asked. Um, 
isn't it weird the way that we sort of viewed love in the nineties, the way it was presented. Sometimes I look at, at especially that this song, I do anything for love, but I won't do that. And I go, I feel like this really skewed my idea of what romantic love was supposed to be. Like. <laughs> in November rain, it didn't really do much better because it was a lot of, I'm married to a beautiful supermodel. Oopsie poopsie. She's dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from, from what? I love that, you know, well, according to the story, you know, she she commits to suicide, right? That's the, the, the short story that it's based on is what that's actually mm-hmm. supposed to be. But when you watch the music video, the real argument was, is it acid rain? <laughs> is, did, okay, she, did she get struck by lightning? My theory is, because when you see her in the coffin, still not answering your question. In the, in the coffin, there's one half of her face that appears to be like dark, like like a, like a purple or a blue color, like almost like there's like a like a veil over just one half of the face. And I could never tell if that was just the shadow or if something was up with her face. And here's my conclusion. I believe that she had a two-face situation. She got the acid, but like not like the like the like the what they do in the movies, like a Batman the animated series type of situation. They should have given mm-hmm. her a shock of white hair on the one side. I don't think she's dead. I think that she's about to become a member of Batman's Rogues Gallery. <laughs> anyway, I think it's November rain. If I have to put my hand on my heart, it's gotta be um wife dies slash becomes two face over this lady has sex in front of this man and confuses him and confounds him in such ways that I, as a result, could not have a healthy relationship throughout the 90s. Fuck that video. <laughs> this is my revenge. For me, for me, November Rain is the greatest video solely for the shots of Slash doing the solo in the desert. To me, that'll always be the coolest fucking thing I have ever seen. And... um you will never, ever dissuade me from that. I will always be 15 watching that for the first time. I was like, that's so fucking cool. You do anything for love, but you won't change your opinion on that. I got it. I prefer Slash coming up out of the water in a strange. <laughs> Sick, man. That's just amazing. Like, oh, just like, like clothes just be, just be clinging to him. It's hot, dude. It's really hot. I'm all about that. That's the one. Like in the, in the desert. Would the sand go up and up into crevices? No, 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 no. I don't think so. I don't think so. That's not for me. That's not for me. Uh, yeah. One more. Uh, yeah, go ahead. One more question. For me, both these songs, like my favorite moment for both these songs is about two minutes before the end. For November Rain, it's the part, the, you know, the outro where it starts getting real intense. Dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun, dun know that you need somebody. And for Meatloaf, it's the part where the other singer comes in. That part absolutely rules. So before, so that I don't have to answer it, which do you think is the better outro, I guess? That's tough. I think I'd give that one to Meatloaf just because I don't, I, there's a lot of times, Axel and Guns N' Roses in general love to do this. This is a very them thing to do. They did sweet, it a lot, sweet, yes. Sweet, sweet Child of Mine is what I always think of when, I, when, when you talk about stuff like that, you know? Because they've mm-hmm. got that, that very lighthearted part, and then before it goes into the the second half of the song, that's a lot more heavy rock. They do that like, where do, where we, do go we go now? <laughs> like it's that's their thing. So I don't know. I mean, like it's cool. It's their thing. It's kind of a signature of theirs. But I I, I just love that part of that made low song. That's real good. And when she come in singing the songs and such, I but I, I I'll think, tell you, I think she there's a I lyric think she in there. The that's best pretty lyrics. Wild. You think she gets the best lyrics, huh? Yes, absolutely. In that song, all the really good lyrics go to her. Can you colorize my life? I'm so sick of black and white. Fuck well, yeah. Let me let me ask you this. Again, maybe this is just not for me, but will you hose me down with holy water <laughs> if I get too hot? Hot. I mean, if you don't like that, you don't like Steinman. That's I, uh, as a non-Catholic... <laughs> I just don't want so that sounds gross I don't know it, I just assume holy water is oily I, I think it, I mean it, holy water is just water right I don't know 
How am I supposed to know the answer to this question? I, I assume that what makes it holy is that it's all oily and shit. I don't know, man. I just think, no, that's, a, like I just think that's a crazy line, like wild, absolutely <laughs> wild, that, that that's what she says if she gets too hot. Hot! <laughs> Amazing. Absolutely outstanding. I mean, I like that stuff. That's, that is almost as good as when Axl Rose is an estranged, the best Guns N' Roses song. Uh-huh. Sings, you come in this world alone, alone. <laughs> anyway, that's that's the uh, neither here nor there. Nothing's ever going to top that. Once again, I do think, just to sum it all up, these songs are meant for 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 tweens. These are tween songs. You, you hear you these really songs as tweens, and they really they really hit you. I think if you're if you are a fully formed adult, I don't know that you're gonna. And you hear these songs for the first time. I don't know that you're going to get quite the same experience. I think that's true. Fortunately, I never became a full formed adult. So (laughs) stop saying true things, Todd. So I appreciate uh, both these songs in the way they were intended. I feel like, well, when I hear them, my development is instantly arrested. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, what I like about Meatloaf is that he consistent consistently was always this guy. When I said the thing about the the fifth b- being a fifteen year old, it made me think of something. In the wake of his death, you know, everyone was showing these old clips of him. Mm-hmm. And um, Conan O'Brien, you know, they finally gave him the rights back to, to air a lot of these old, like, late night clips. And mm-hmm. around, around this era, Meatloaf came on Conan for the first time. And there's a whole bit where they say, you know, oh, like, we hear that uh, you are the best softball player or the best softball pitcher. And he goes, I never, mm-hmm. I never said that. I said, mm-hmm. I said, I said that I am a great softball pitcher. And then no one can get a hit off of me. And in order to test this theory, they gave him a bunch of softballs and had an NBC page come out. (laughs) Sounds like a jackass skit, but go on. And she does proceed to hit these things, but he gets really annoyed about it. And and first of all, insists that she's not really an NBC page, but is probably some like pro softball player, like a ringer. And then Conan's like gets some gets some hits, but Meatloaf keeps go keeps saying, "Well, you hit the ball, but it's technically not a hit." And I was like, "What do you what? What did you want them to do? Swing for the <laughs> fences? There are no fences. It's a TV studio. Loaf, get a grip." <laughs> but that's in my mind, Meatloaf is forever this sort of like teenager in his mentality, yeah. and I don't mean that even in a mean way, but that he's got that sort of like. You know, I don't want to say he's a petulant child because that, again, sounds mean. But there is that that energy <laughs> where he just he just won't let things go. He's got to be right about this thing, by God. Um, <laughs> technically, what I said was true, you see. And I was like, All you right, brought right. in a ringer. Technically, he's a vampire from a planet near Kronos. He's Klingon adjacent. And I'm also right, Meatloaf. If you're hearing this from the great beyond, you're a Klingon <laughs> cousin. All right. You want to do the. I think I think we have talked these songs to death, but you know, like I said, I I started playing one in the background and it hasn't finished yet. So oh, is that true? No, we're, fi- we're fifty three minutes in. <laughs> yeah, they're not fifty three minutes. You don't. That know. was a joke. Sometimes I tell jokes. All right, okay. Three songs. How does this work? Three, three, four, so we do we do uh, these these four questions. They uh, they kind of take all the bullshit that we say over the course of ten million years and and uh, much like the length of these two songs. Uh, you know, kind of focuses things, makes things clear after after the gobbledygook of what we've done in this conversation mm-hmm. that we have. The first question, Todd, is uh, is one of history, and it goes thusly: We're going to get rid of one of these two songs. One of them's going to go away forever. It's going to be erased from history. Poof, gone by alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them gets to stick around for the culture, Todd. Which song has to stay? Obviously, Guns N' Roses had several songs like this that were hits versus I'd Do Anything for Love, which without that, the Meatloaf story is wildly different. And there is not another song like I'd Do Anything for Love. But November Rain is like the tippy top for me. The tippy top of uh, Guns N' Roses that era. The Use Your Illusion era. Like, I don't know. And like the November Rain video is just like a towering, massive, wonderful achievement. 
Mm-hmm. You answer. What's your answer? You know, Axel Rose is technically still alive. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll let that one I don't, be the deciding I, point, I guess. I mean, I love November Rain, and I like the trilogy of those songs, and there is a question of would Guns N' Roses even exist without November Rain, given its history? I don't know. But uh, I don't know, man. Meatloaf is, he gone. He wouldn't be able to yell in front of a blackboard. <laughs> in heaven now, one presumes. Yes. In, in paradise by a dashboard light with the... <laughs> with the blackboard uh yeah i mean i don't know i i i think we got to give it to i not i i this is a bit of a pity vote but i'm giving it to love yeah i'll i'll i'll, I'll go with that well i'll let that be the tiebreaker that makes sense to me we lose november rain and it's awesome fucking video man that hurts to say but i, I think that's the right choice but you I know what right if choice. it's if it's truly just that one just remember todd you get to keep alone <laughs> Do not get your love of that song or that video for that matter. It's the best. There's dolphins in it. Fuck you. (laughs) Question number two. (laughs) You get to see Soup to Nuts, the entire creation of one and only one of these two songs. That includes everything. The lead up, the sitting in the studio, having conversations about what kind of drums you're going to hit. And the music video, that being, I think, in this case, probably the the most deciding factor. Yeah. Yeah. So which one which one do you want to see the the creation of? I feel like just Guns N' Roses is a more interesting band to watch, especially during 91 when they were just like in total free fall and and they're at their just most absolute bat shit. It's it's got to be Guns N' Roses for me. It's tough for me to say because the thing is it's really cool that that Meat and uh, and Jim had come back together after such a long time. So there's a part of me that says, wouldn't it be interesting to get to see that part of it, the reconciliation? Meatloaf getting his voice back, finding his way back to success and finding his way back to his collaborative soulmate. I don't know. That's such a a great story. And I prefer November Rain, and I do – there's a lot of elements of that story, the idea of seeing Axel – Every time a piano's in front of him, slowly figuring out what November Rain is going to be. That's cool. The the recording where they brought in the new drummer and the new drummer was like, mm-hmm. you know, what if we do the toms? And they were talking about, you know, Elton John listening to Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. That stuff's really cool. I love everything about that. So that, that song has a great trajectory. But only one of these two songs involves the reconciliation of two musical soulmates and that's I do anything for love but I won't do that so I gotta go I gotta go for that one I respect your opinion I do not agree but that is a fair fair opinion all right right. question question number three a a real weird one although I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this Megan the Stallion the creator owner copyright holder of hot girl shit She's going to get up to a night of said hot girl shit, and she's going to listen to a playlist as she gets ready for that hot girl shit, making one of these songs now and forever hot girl shit. Which one is it going to be, Todd? What's it it going to be, boy? Yes or no? This is a no-brainer. It's meatloaf. It's absolutely meatloaf. This, I actually kind of feel as though you kind of, I want to cheat and say it's Paradise by the Dashboard Light. <laughs> right? November Rain kicks ass, but it takes a while to get there. It does. It does. If it, You know, I mean, we already discussed this when we did uh, Welcome to the Jungle, and that was a lot easier for me. Um, but yeah, I'll give it to I'll give it to Loaf because I don't think that Guns N' Roses needs to, to win the, 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 the Stallion competition <laughs> twice. I don't think that that's necessary. Is Guns N' Roses the first band we've had like twice? I mean, we've done had yeah, like yes. This is the, the first time that the same band appeared twice. You know, again, granted, the lineup changed a little bit, but it's still fundamentally. You know, I mean, as long as as long as uh, the three dudes are still there, and they all were. Who are the uh, uh, Axel, Axel Slash, Slash and, and uh, Duffy? Right, Duff. Duff. Yeah, Duff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So to me, as long as they're all present, it's still Guns N' Roses. Okay. Well, what's the last question? 
Oh, it's the, you mean the most important question in the history of human creation? Yes. Glad that you brought that up, Todd. William Shatner. Oh, right. The grand tweeter, the tweeter-in-chief. Boy, I forgot that that had another meaning. Um, uh, it's him now. He has yes. now been, he is now like the other guy's gone. So the tweeter-in-chief who tweets things that I can't stand, but I love him anyway. William Shatner, actor, horse girl, <laughs> and and as we all know, uh, singer-songwriter and overall uh, theatrical performer of songs. He's going to do a Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs, Todd. Which one of these two songs must be shat upon? This is the hardest one ever. Well, this is the whichever, hardest one ever. Whichever one we pick, we're, it would take like 40 minutes to listen to. Okay, like so there's a, not seeing a downside so far. I did, I, was I complaining? I, <laughs> <laughs> it's It's got to be meatloaf. I, I feel very strongly that it's meatloaf. All right. I, mean, well, I have a big. But, I have a big important question for you. Who's doing the other part? <laughs> Shit, William Shatner. Also, I don't. It's Nichelle Nichols, I, baby. Kirk and Uhura singing to each other. That I feel like I'd want someone more over the top. No, man. This is right, and let me tell you why. Because it brings us all the way back to the fact that Meatloaf in the <laughs> "I'd Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That" video. Is that fucking Klingon? Uh, you came up with the, this question so that you could work Star Trek into into the podcast. Klingon, and I don't think you Klingon really Klingon bastards need... kill my son. <laughs> Klingon bastards kill my son. That's from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. I feel like Meatloaf is already a very Shatnerian character himself. Five for sure, for sure. In fact, I didn't look this up, but I gotta believe they were friends. They, like, see, they seem like they would vibe big not, time. Not just, not just personality-wise, but as performers. Like, if William Shatner was a singer, which he's not, which is the premise of this uh, of question. I but mean, if he, he were... He is and he isn't. Like, Meatloaf is the Shatner of singers, I feel like. That feels like a, a correct comparison to me. I have one other thing that I wanted to bring to you. Uh, it is a two-part thing. Did you know that right prior to Meatloaf's passing that they were going to create some kind of competitive dating show i did see this i did see this go on about uh you know based around i do anything for love but i won't do that or i guess he would be the host i have no idea what the possible premise is for this dating show i just know that that is a great title for a dating show my question to you todd is this what is the november rain competitive reality show about <laughs> i don't know a competitive shirtless desert shredding i think it definitely like, involves <laughs> staying outside for a really long time and whoever can do it the longest while having to do increasingly ridiculous tasks is the winner that's what i think that's what i think it is my other question for you before you do the the comments is uh if i were to say i know todd you do anything for love, but you won't do that. Todd, what is the that? Love. You won't love. You do, <laughs> do anything, anything for love, love, but you won't love. That's my answer. I feel like that's a good answer. That's, wow. So you really are kind of the opposite of meatloaf. I think that for, <laughs> for me, if it. That's what everyone says. Like, hey, Todd, you are just the opposite of meatloaf in all ways. <laughs> Um, both a compliment and an insult, I feel, at the same time. Uh, yes. for, for me, if I was to be asked that question, I think that the answer is quite clear to the person who is doing a podcast with me, and that is <laughs> g give up my Blu-ray collection. <laughs> for those no that don't know, I own about 10 billion movies. No one who truly loved you would make you give up your uh, Blu-ray collection. That's very important and true. All right, I am now ready for you to to, to have the people who actually matter, which is the listeners, Way in. Provided right, that see. you begin with the very first comment. Okay. The first comment we got was from Ethan Michael Thomas, who writes, I would do anything for love, but I can't go for that. No, no, no can do. I can't. 
Oh, that's not was what was the, that? that's not what the first one that comes up for me is. <laughs> oh, hold on. Let me... The one that's all the way at the top, the first comment that we got was from Susan Frazier, uh, who wrote, my favorite thing about the Spice World movie is the only reason Meatloaf <laughs> is in it is to make the joke that he would do anything for these girls, but he won't do that. That being unclogging a toilet. Go listen to our Spice World bonus episode, you patrons. You sign up, you can get that. We talked about this joke extensively. Amazing. Quality. It's 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 the one of the greatest jokes of all time. I'm glad a that there classic. are other people out, out there that, that also understand that it's top tier. All right. That is a... No, everyone loves that joke, and everyone loves that movie specifically because of that joke. And everyone will love listening to that episode of Song vs. Song, <laughs> which you can only listen to if you pay a dollar. Anyway... Paul Anderson writes, Not long ago, I was in the fitting room for a vintage shop and the 80s mix shuffled to Bat Out of Hell. Oh my God, I love this guy. Who is this? Asked one young Gen Z shop girl. And the other one replied, It's a meatball? Yes, I love meatball. Anyway, Godspeed your soul, Mr. Meatball. I, this is a great story, yes. He is the, yes. I mean, he is the meatiest of balls. Yeah. Can't believe he used to go by Couscous. I, wouldn't it have been ma- amazing if he had gone by Meathead? Meathead is already Rob Reiner. That one's oh, taken. that's true. He would have, if not for Rob, Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner would also be decent in a meatloaf biopic, I feel like. He could pull it off. You raise an interesting point. Continue. Yes. Anyway. Dean R. Johnson writes, as far as I can tell, the thing that Meatloaf wouldn't do for love is like when a job interview asks you what your greatest weaknesses are. It's like, well, my greatest weakness is that I love to work so much. Well, I do anything for love except for leaving you the woman that I love. That's a good response. I like that one. Yeah, I I do anything for love except not make you so horny. (laughs) That you'd in the 90s do a weird white girl version of WAP. Anyway. Continue, continue. Yes. Go ahead. Franco Del Rosario writes, and this isn't like funny, it's just really interesting. Trivia. The official YouTube video for November Rain has more views than any other 90s song. Has more views than Smells Like Teen Spirit, I Will Always Love You, Losing My Religion, Baby One More Time, All Star. It has more views than any Lady Gaga video. That's so it, it, it turns insane out, to me. It turns out that something does last forever. <laughs> and it's the November Rain music video. You know, I, I would have, like, when I first heard the November Rain video, MTV was still like, hyping it up. It was like, this is like the greatest video ever made. It's 10 minutes long. That's how you know it's good. And <laughs> I, I felt like that would have faded by now. This would have just seemed like so much, you know, uh, early 90s cheese and instead it turns out that it november rains forever that's with that's with an i and a g and i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) all right matt lee writes guns and roses is just poison in disguise meatloaf all the way how dare you how dare you well i mean guns do kill Hmm. that's a kind of poison yes all right. I, I bet if you tried to eat a rose, it would be bad for you. Like if you ate the thorn part, then it's not yeah. great. So anyway, yeah. No, like uh, poison the band. Oh, no, I ignored that. <laughs> okay. Jay Gutierrez writes, Axl Rose is just Gen X MGK. I'll take meatloaf. You want to, f- you want to feel that one Todd? We're really coming for Axl Rose in these comments. But you like the, uh, you like MGK. Yeah, I'm taking a lot of shit for that too. I don't ever get shivered liking Axl Rose. Well, t- today's the day that all changes. Okay. Magnificent Boped writes, I think I, Boped? Boped. Okay. Magnificent Boped writes, You know where you are? We're getting married, baby. You're gonna die. <laughs> In the rain now. No, the rain now. <laughs> I decided to keep going. Okay. Did. Moon Logic writes, and this is a two-part comment. Moon Logic writes, I voted November Rain because we all go through a Guns N' Roses phase as kids. When the hell do people go through a meatloaf phase, though? Same and time. Jeremy Hanna responds, that's because meatloaf isn't a phase. 
Whoa. <laughs> so way whoa, of life. Whoa, whoa. All right. Last one. Richard Angle writes, this is a tough decision. Let me sleep on it, and I'll give you an answer in the morning. Are you, are you ready to reveal the one of some of some of the more extreme <laughs> crushing no. blows? Well, you know, I, I predicted we we decided to do this as a tribute to the man who had just passed. So I figured this was going to be an absolute like crushing blowout. But you may guess how big the blowout was. How how much do you think it went to Meatloaf? I'm going to say he took 90 percent of the vote. 90 percent, 90 percent. I think it I mean, was. We, I, think it, I think it, I think he riggedy wrecked. I think. I, I mean, think, I, I think. I think Axel Ring. Axel, Axel Rose said, "Get in the ring, get in the <laughs> ring," and then Meatloaf like got in and like flicked him in his head, and he was, and he, he did his little serpentine dance like he was done <laughs> fucking flamenco and was out. I mean, we've had blowouts that big before. It wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't be a shock. So for the actual results. For a total of 589 to 258, that's about a 69 to 31% split. Our winner is, in fact, Meatloaf, but not by as much as I thought he would. 70, you know, 70, 30, that's a, that's a, that's a big win. It's, it's not. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. I thought it was, I thought it was even bigger. I'm kind of relieved. I also, yeah, I also think of- that part of this is that Guns N' Roses has now appeared twice. I think people are predisposed to not vote for the same band a second time, especially against a man who just died. We would have done this episode a lot earlier if we hadn't already done the Guns N' Roses episode, because this is like one of the ones I was like rubbing my hands together for. Now what will you rub your hands together for? Is it perhaps the next episode? Well, before we announce the next episode, I would like to remind you that we have a Patreon and uh, it allows us to keep doing this. Because otherwise, it's a giant waste of time, and we because you know we don't enjoy each other's company at all. No, we're so, actually not friends. So, if you want us to keep doing this, you know, DOS is a dollar, and we will uh, not only uh, appreciate it, we will also give you our backlog of bonus episodes where we talk about one movie every month. And if you enjoy podcasts, you know, we're very funny and witty and uh, entertaining. So you will enjoy that. If you can't do that, just tell your friends about us, leave us nice reviews, anything like that. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So you ready? Yes. Next week or two weeks, because that's when we do these. We will be covering Daft Punk's Get Lucky versus Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars's Uptown Funk. Holy shit. <laughs> it's a big one. This real big. Wait, what's the what's the what's the uh, did they come out at the same time? Yeah, they're like within a year of each other. Huh? God, those must have been big years, or maybe I don't. I don't know why, but somehow they feel like I don't know how to explain it. Anyway, that, what a good episode that will be! I'm sure, definitely worth continuing listening to this podcast for. See you next time. Bye. Bye.